What's going on, guys? I am on the line with Alonzo, my Mexican best friend here from Patriots Nation. What's going on, buddy? Hey, I'm just happy to be hosting, co-hosting the most handsome, funniest Patriots podcast on the internet, now on Spotify, with my good friend, Bryson. A.K.A. at Tommy Five Rings. Rest in peace. <laughs> Rest in peace at New England SVLI. <laughs> We've come a long way. That's that's definitely for sure. Oh yes, we have. And uh, and uh, before we get into it, I just wanna I just wanna calm everyone down because yesterday I was walking my dog actually and thought that I shouldn't let him in the water, and I did let him in the water, and he jumped. And if you if you follow oh, me on Twitter, God. you'd no, you, you'd notice that I I posted a picture of the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, really creepy place. We were there. But there's a river next to it, and I let him jump in there, not knowing what was in there. And uh, he jumped in, started started crying his ass off. So I took off running, <laughs> the adrenaline pumping, and uh, I picked him up. He was in two feet of mud. I was in two feet of mud. I have no idea how the hell I got us both out of there, but I did. And the aspiring physician I am, I took a look at took a look at him afterwards. I diagnosed him with a dislocated toe i guess you would call it for a dog on his front <laughs> paw and i was scared shitless i missed the game had to take him to the animal hospital it ended up just he just had a stick in his hand and i thought it was a bone so <laughs> aspiring position getting stuff wrong i'm not pro foot i'm not pro football dog you've heard of pro football doc i'm not pro football dog dog pro football dog that's not me so pro football my dog. dog's all good yeah my dog's all good i missed the game i rewatched it but um Everything's all good, guys. You don't have to worry about my dog anymore. So, yeah, I'm glad to hear it. But I gotta say, when I saw the picture of the the building you tweeted, uh, I kind of wanted to block you because that that shit was scary, man. <laughs> I I could I could go on for an hour of stories of that place. I've been in it so many times. There's so many history. There's so much history. I live a minute away. Literally, I can see it from my house. Um, oh my god. Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. If you're listening to this podcast, look it up later. Do some research. It's a really interesting place. It was on Ghost Hunters twice. So I actually skipped school one day for Ghost Hunters because Ghost Hunters was there. And I walked there during school and looked at their Taps van, if you remember that show. You're probably too young. I was probably in eighth grade, I think. Yeah, I'm too young. Yeah, yeah, you don't remember. The listeners, though, because they're a little bit older, more mature and wiser, but not you. Yeah, less handsome, though. all right let's dive into it okay first of all we're gonna say uh, r.i.p kenny b because we were the leaders of kenny brit hype train and i'm sorry guys we let you down but the bottom line is kenny had a hamstring injury and um, scott zolak speculated that he might be a little bit crazy he might be kind of psycho the patriots from what you've told me offered him a three-year extension he declined he was cut um, I don't know what the fuck is going on with Kenny Britt, to be quite honest with you. I, I had really high hopes. He's a physical freak. We've all seen the pictures. We've been hyping him up all year. Um, I don't know. I'm in shock of the cut. Lombardi, Lombardi talked about it. We didn't listen. We moved on talking about Kenny Britt on the roster, and um, that's kind of our fault. But yeah, uh, sad times because now the, the Patriots are one wide receiver down, which uh, Kenny Britt is actually a good wide receiver when he plays, so. Yeah. Um, it's it's sad times. Uh, thoughts on rest in peace, Kenny B. 
Yeah, I would say that I was absolutely the leader of the Kenny Britt hype train. <laughs> um, I com- yeah, I compared him to, you know, the potential to have a season similar to what Brandon LaFell had uh, back in 2014. And now I have to say I'm the leader of the Brandon LaFell hype train uh, to get him back into New England because as we're going to get to later, they don't have many receivers at this point. Uh, but Britt, like you said, he's a physical freak everything kind of pointed to a bounce back season. He wanted to be in new England. He had apparently been throwing with Brady during the off season, according to our Lord and savior, Mike Reese. And it it just, it had, it looked pretty good for him to make some type of impact. And he was going to provide a, a presence on the outside that they hadn't had, right? Like just a big physical presence who had some deep speed and could threaten a defense in the red zone and could maybe bring you like 80% of the production of cooks at uh, Jesus less than 10% of the cost. And that, that was pretty enticing going into the season and going into camp. But uh, the hamstring injury was apparently too much for him to overcome. And it really sucks, but this team, uh, it was never going to rely on Kenny Britt to the point where we should be panicking about, his absence, right? It's similar kind of to Isaiah Wynn, or it's just a huge bummer because it's a guy we were excited to watch, but not a guy that was necessarily an integral part of the team. So from that standpoint, uh, rest in peace, Kenny. And that part about him being crazy, I mean, if you ask the rest of NFL Twitter, they would tell you that Kenny Britt is a lunatic and that he's lazy and that he's an (laughs) asshole And we just didn't listen. And I saw after he got cut a picture of him going out to practice one day with his headphones on and his cell phone in his hands. And uh, that kind of brought back memories of Jamie Collins going to practice with uh, plastic bags over his hands after a manicure. And when, when you see that, it's not necessarily a great sign for the player. So... Maybe it was never going to work out. Maybe we were wrong, but we'll never know. Uh, they did offer him an extension, according to Jeff Howe, and I think according to Rap Sheet, who tweeted something about an edge sum, which I would imagine is an ex- a typo for extension. Uh, but that was a low ball before camp and before his hamstring just didn't heal. And yeah, it was reported as a minor hamstring pull. It was clearly a lot more than that. And we move on. Yeah, and uh, it's really fitting that we transition from the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic lunatic Asylum to the (laughs) lunatic that is Kenny Britt. So, Kenny Britt, you're welcome in West Virginia. There's a lunatic asylum. I'll take you on a tour. You're a crazy motherfucker, and so are we for believing in you. Yeah, that's a good way to put a wrap on the Kenny Britt saga era in New England. (laughs) I just poured one out. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm actually, I cried while you were talking. <laughs> Tito's? All right. Um, I don't waste Tito's. All right. I don't waste Tito's. It sucks, but I don't waste it. All right. So uh, <laughs> our boy, Mike Reese, like you just said, um, he's on the Golden Tate hype train. You've been pushing Golden Tate. I've loved Golden Tate for so long. I don't even, I don't even remember how long I've loved them, but Mike Reese is, is piggybacking 
off year Malcolm Brown for a Golden Tate and I guess plus a Lynn Roberts fake trade. But if you, as you mentioned, um, Mike Reese doesn't usually just say stuff. Like, it's a little weird. You're right. And I think this is a case of Mike Reese just connecting dots and just kind of saying shit. Like, I would doubt that if they had been having these discussions, he would be privy to them. But it's, it's good to see, for one, that we're thinking smart because that's been, in my mind, a pretty logical trade for a while for both teams. And Mike Reese is one of the smartest guys in Pats media. And the fact that he sees the trade as a, you know, something if he were, as he said, playing fantasy GM, something he would take a look at is, uh, is good for the, the title talk brand and for the Alonzo brand, which Alonzo tweeted this uh, on around June 28th or July 28th, uh, offer Malcolm Brown for Kenny Britt. I mean, for Golden Tate. God damn, Kenny Britt, I can't quit you. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's the pipe dream of all pipe dreams, and it kind of makes sense because Tate's in the last year of his deal. But Detroit, if they were to trade him, would be pretty shallow at receiver, and they're still trying to win this year. And who, With Malcolm Brown also expiring, I think they would probably try to get a more sustainable asset for Tate if they traded him. So probably it would, in my opinion, have to be Brown in some type of at least mid-round pick. And I, I just don't know if the Pats would do that right now. It's a great fake trade to think about. And it's obviously a position of need. But uh, more than anything, it's just it's fun to see Mike Reese on the hype train. We love Mike Reese. If you're listening to this for the first time, you should know that like 75% of the podcast is us just ball washing Mike Reese. <laughs> and um, I also want to say that um, you talked about a mid-round pick, but I would give up Malcolm Brown in like a second-round pick. The Patriots have a whole lot of picks. I don't really care. I love Golden Tate this much, and I'm just picturing in the Super Bowl where you have a lineup of Gronk, Golden Tate, James White, Edelman, Hogan, Edelman. I mean, there's your crunch time. Can you get any better than that? <laughs> really? That's that's my pipe dream lineup. Golden Tate is. I love Golden Tate. Yeah, it's a great pipe dream to have, and it's a pipe dream that hell if the Lions do start off like two and five, it's not inconceivable. It's yeah, it's really not because their head coach is Matt Patricia and he's making them take the logos off their helmet and earn <laughs> And they have yet to register a sack in the preseason. And they allowed a one hundred and nine yard field goal return for a touchdown yesterday. <laughs> oh oh to, man. To another Patriots oh, trade target man. of mine, Adam Bill Humphreys. Bel- <laughs> Bill Belichick weeps. It was great for the title talk brain because Matt Patricia sucked it up and preparation of a field goal return bill belichick would never have this happen to him by the way and adam humphreys title talk trade target gets a return for a touchdown come on what's better than that i mean absolutely nothing until we wax patricia in week three without our top receiver that's gonna be i can't wait for that man september 23rd it's 
you know, 825. It's on the calendar, man. Man, I've been wanting to drop 50 on Patricia for a long time. I hadn't been this hyped for a uh, primetime game since the Colts deflate gate game back in 2015. I seriously want to drop 70 on Patricia. It's not even a joke. Um, the, the last most hype I've been for a game was uh, Texans 2013, I want to say. 12, Letterman uh, Jackson. 2012, Letterman game. Aaron Hernandez went off. Um, Brandon Lloyd. Long- I just want to let you know, I I was that was my first year of college. I had a lock screen that had, it said eleven eleven. It was a picture, and it had Aaron Hernandez in the back room with his uh, money celebration. So <laughs> that was me at your age. Wow, I don't I don't know how to respond to that except saying rest in peace, Aaron. <laughs> More like rest in pieces. Yeah, rest in peace, Odin Lloyd. <laughs> All right. Since we're talking about Matt Patricia and the defense, we're going to talk about our defense because the the defense is a little bit of a concern for a lot of Pats Nation, um, and specifically uh, Stephon Gilmore, who I have defended with for all of my life today, specifically against Bill's Twitter who tells me he sucks, and he was a top-five corner graded by PFF last year. But the, who cares about that? The but, facts um, don't matter. Yeah, the facts. Who? Yeah, who cares? I mean, it's inconceivable that a guy in a shitty organization could actually be a really good cornerback for a good organization. Like, um, I don't know. I don't know, guys. I don't know how to tell you that Stephon Gilmore is good as fuck. Just watch the Super Bowl, the AFC Championship game. From the Bucks game after Stephon Gilmore returned from in- injury, he was a super elite cornerback. Like I, I don't understand. I I really don't. I don't. I'm like at a loss for words. I don't understand this. Why do people hate Stephon Gilmore? The first four weeks, the first four weeks spoke more about Matt Patricia than Stephon Gilmore. I mean, if you're a coach, the players have to know what they're doing, and a lot of times it was just missed assignments. It wasn't Stephon Gilmore getting beat. Because we see him in the Super Bowl and the AFC Championship games making plays, and it's uh, it's it's really astounding to me. It, it really is. And and this game specifically, um, they, the Patriots played a lot of soft zone. The cornerbacks on the outside specifically were trailing a whole lot, which tells you they're they're playing deep cover three usually. So I mean. It's preseason, guys. Calm down a little bit. We can get off the. If you just tweet search "fuck Gilmore" and hit latest, <laughs> you'll probably you'll probably get a whole lot of Patriots fans tweets, which I don't get, guys. Stephon Gilmore is a hell of a guy. He he's never responded to his critics. He's just balled out, and he doesn't give a fuck about you. And he just plays ball and makes plays in the biggest stages of his of of the games ever. I yeah. don't see how people hate Stephon Gilmore. It's mind blowing to me. It's stupid, and it's those same people that would still rather have Malcolm Butler as the team's number one corner. And if you've been following Whoa. Malcolm Butler in training camp, oh boy, oh boy, because Whoa. they are not in the same stratosphere as a player, and I like Malcolm Butler a lot. I think he will be in the Patriots Hall of Fame one day. But good God, man, Stephon Gilmore is an elite corner who can match up with any type of receiver and whose game typically rises to the occasion when it matters. You remember the, um, the last two games of last season, 
when he kind of struggled a little bit against the Bills in Foxborough, that game where Marquise Flowers just went ballistic. And then in the playoffs, he was clamping the Jags receivers. He was clamping Alshon Jeffrey. He was clamping Rashard Matthews. Like this dude just raised his game to an elite level when it mattered the most. And he is exceptionally talented. He clamped Mike Evans in week five, like you said, and he clamped Demarius Thomas in week 10 after the bye. And he clamped Crabtree in Mexico City in the game that uh, was played in my backyard. This guy is an elite corner, and if you're worried about him or if you're bitching and moaning about his preseason effort, like you can just get out of here. Seriously, I don't want to hear that shit from anyone. Because Gilmore is, I think I would argue – if not the most important player on the defense, a top two most important player on the defense this year. Yes. Yes. And yes. if you don't like him because they paid him more than they paid Malcolm Butler, uh, you can cry. Fuck you. Yes. Yeah. You can you. cry. <laughs> um, I actually just had to get off before because I was on my knees just preaching. I was praying. Hallelujah. Because you were just preaching right there. Um, Hallelujah. Yeah, man. I don't get the Gilmore hate. The guy came in, and last year, the you know, I defended Gilmore all last year, and I'm sure you probably did as well. But um, the players after, I think, the Panthers game, Kyle Van Noy specifically got into an argument with the media and, and uh, defended Gilmore a little bit, and that spoke volumes to me. And I knew after that Gilmore would be good, and he was. I just don't they- get it. I, I Man, really don't. I really don't get it. They love Gilmore because you see, even in his Instagram posts and in his Twitter posts, like that is just a regular dude. He shut down Alshon Jeffrey in the Super Bowl, and then a couple of weeks later, he was um, hosting a Twitter Q and A with fans, like that. Man, and he's amazing. making forty million dollars guaranteed on his contract. Like that's just Man. a normal guy. Puts his head down, goes to work. He doesn't say shit. Um, I think Tom Curran, Tom Curran had a great line about how Gilmore just is kind of a perfect Patriot. Now he just doesn't talk <laughs> and how he just keeps his head down and works hard and does his job. And that's, yep. that's beautiful. You'll love to see that from your, from your top, your top corner and um, your best defensive player. Yeah. I said that. Um, I'm glad you're on the top defensive player hype hype train because, yeah, he is. Arguably top two, but I would put him number one because if Stephon Gilmore gets hurt, um, the defense is fucked. I would say – I don't know if you guys know this, but the defense is fucked if Gilmore ever goes out for a game. uh, I would say he's a top two most important player, but he's – probably their best player if that makes any sense yes he is he's their best player but he's not necessarily their most important player because as we're going to get to later they do have some depth at corner and they can kind of mix and match if you were to miss a couple games obviously i mean you want him out there right and you you know in the biggest moments you kind of need him out the other hand you have cam you have deshaun those guys if you lose the edge like you're screwed. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a vanilla game plan, so I wouldn't overreact to how the secondary, how the starting secondary guys looked. And in terms of the pass rush, I think 
if anything, in two weeks, they'll be a lot more disciplined in how they play Watson. And that'll be good news. And as I said earlier, having Trey Flowers back is going to be crucial because uh, as good as that pass rush was last week against Philly and as bad as it was against Carolina, like, and it wasn't even too awful against the Panthers. Like that's, that's overstating it a bit, but with Trey Flowers, like everything changes. He, at one point last year, we were talking about how Van Noy and Flowers were probably their most, their two most important defensive players. And that's how good Trey Flowers is. So, again, is it is is it worth the hype and excitement that we had over it last week? No, but is it as bad as it looked this week? And is it as doomsday as people thought it was? Absolutely not. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. And being in the middle is not the worst thing, considering that last year we were right at the bottom. Yeah, you're totally right. And another thing I'd like to point out is uh, on the first drive and second and third and short, they actually elected to go to nickel with two linebackers. They had Wise, Guy, Shelton, Claiborne, High, Kyle Van Noy, Gilly, Chung, D-Mac, Rowe, Harmon on the field. And it was third. It was a play where it was third and two. And then it was fourth fourth down. I think the Panthers went for it. But um, – in the red zone, they elected more of a four-three, but I think we'll I think we'll see a lot of this a lot of this nickel five-two defense like you talked about the 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 Patriots as Bill Bell. Well, they're four-two with the nickel. Yes, yes, four-two. But the the Patriots, as Bill Belichick has said, um, nickel defense is the base defense. So I think this that really showed me that this is the base defense. The, the wise guy, Shelton Claiborne, Hightower, Kyle Van Noy. That's the base defense for this defense. Right, yeah. And that that um, is more 4-3 type – or well, 4-2, I should say, type of personnel where their edge guys aren't going to be dropping much into coverage, I don't think. And it's going to be guys in more like – we talked about last week. It's going to be guys in more defined roles being able to play faster and kind of play one speed and – It'll help them, and like you said, the four two will be the four two, and at times the five one because they'll move high tower down in some situations and just play a a bare front with a player over every offensive lineman. Uh, we we saw them do that a little more frequently last year, and I think they'll do it again this year because they had some success with it with subpar personnel last year. And I just want to say like. Last last week, we talked about our excitement for the defense and our excitement. It's not excitement about being great. It's excitement about being good. And being good is a far cry from where we were last week. I mean, from where we were last year. And you see, I listed last week just the guys that we were replacing from last year's defense and who they turn into this year. And it's just such a far cry from where we were. And you'll look at just the guys on the front that we're going to be able to rotate. It'll be a whole new world with this defense. I still, I still expect a a very significant jump in how they're going to perform. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And uh, going off that note, we'll talk about the offense here. 
The offense moves the whole the ball a whole lot. Edelman's back, and it's almost am ignoring Edelman because it's like he doesn't ex- he's not going to exist for four weeks. So I almost just ignore everyone what Edelman does. Yeah, but Edelman has looked really good, obviously. And the thing of last year that we really missed actually was on third down. The Patriots. I remember us talking about how the Patriots were um, pretty bad on third down, and especially in the red zone. Um, really, we'll really miss Edelman. Obviously, we know that. But right. um, I, just piggybacking on that, Dorsett, he ran a little curve out. He caught the ball. I mean, Dorsett has emerged as a wide receiver, which is really good to see. Um, Eric Decker sucked. Eric Decker is um, a train wreck. He really sucks bad. It was – it's like we've made fun of the signing ever since it happened because he, he's a – he's – oh, my God. Mike Reese just replied to me on Twitter. Thanks for the response here, Alonzo. Much appreciated. Keen thinking on your part. Excuse me, I just have to get some uh, get some paper towels here. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the the funny thing about that is, actually, I don't know if you heard, but apparently the Browns offered Des Bryant less than five million uh, for the year, so. Um, the Patriots still have Eric Decker and uh, Des Bryant better than Eric Decker. Better than Eric Decker. Yeah, I would say so. But you and I might be better than Eric Decker at this point. And I'm sorry, I I got (laughs) sidetracked a little bit with Mike Reese. I'm still starstruck. But the, the whole thing that I was saying is that Decker, you know, we they sign him and we're all rooting for him. Like he's a patriot, we want him to be good, but it's just been clear as day from day one that the guy wasn't going to be able to contribute to the team. And you watch him now, and it's like, my God, the guy has no idea what he's doing. Zolak even said at one point in the second half that last week he got Decker didn't know if it was a run or a pass, and you could see it clear as day on the tape, and that does not bode well for a guy trying to make the roster. Uh, as you said, with Edelman, Edelman for me, uh, for the first month of the season, he is dead to all of us because he's, that's what he is to the team. He's not going to be available. It sucks, uh, but his use of PEDs is probably going to aid him into being the Julian Edelman that we know and love by the end of the season. And the good news on that front is that he looks like that right now. And with him healthy, like the, the whole complexion of the offense changes. That's people forget how good Julian Edelman is. Like that's how good Julian Edelman is. He's, you know, some people equate him to Danny Amendola and Amendola. I'll give him credit. He was great. uh, Especially in the playoffs last year, Julian Edelman is a different caliber of player. Edelman was a top 15 receiver before he tore his ACL last year. And his reintegration into the offense with him and with just the healthy offense with Edelman is that I, I wouldn't take any unit over it in crunch time at this point. As for Dorsett, uh, he made a couple of, of nice plays. I think he had a little flare screen where he made, uh, he might've gotten more yards after the than cooks had in all of 2017. Uh, he ran a little timing pattern on fourth and three, where Brady just fired it to a spot and Dorsett was there. It's a great confidence builder for both those guys and just their connection. 
And then uh, on another play, it was pretty impressive on a crossing route. He just kind of plucked a high throw uh, out of the air, came down with it. I was uh, really encouraged with what I saw from him. He's going to be a key part of this offense for the first month, he's going to be featured in a way as the number two guy. And even after that, uh, he's looking like he's going to be the the third guy in 11 personnel. So excited that Dorsett appears to have made significant strides and significant process with uh, Brady over the over training camp and looks like a completely different player confidence wise than what he was last year. Yeah, for sure. And um, the thing I noticed, like you just said, the Patriots played a whole lot of 11. Edelman won't be yeah. there for the first four weeks. So what do you make of this? Like, Because for me, I would think that the Patriots are going to go uh, probably a lot less 11. Um, oh, yeah. With Patrick pa- – uh, not Patrick Peterson. What the fuck am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> they've, got, they've got Cordero Patterson. They've got Dorsett, Hogan. Um, they're probably going to play a lot less of 11, more like 12, 22, probably maybe 13. Tight end, tight end, right? Yeah. Um, so what do, you, what do you make of the Patriots playing a whole, like a bunch of 11 in the preseason? Uh, they, this is kind of anecdotal, so don't necessarily quote me on it, but I think they usually try to do that. Uh, they usually go to, to that personnel group in the preseason and just try to build. uh, Because that's, at the end of the day, that's probably going to be your crunch time group um, personnel-wise, 11. When the chips are down, you're going to go to those players. And they, in the preseason, just from what I remember, I guess, they use a lot of the group. uh, I think also just to get the group as a whole, which they expect to be their their top crunch time group when the games start counting and when Edelman comes back just to get them some reps together. I think that's kind of the reason they would, and they did go to a lot of 11 yesterday. Uh, But like you said, for the first month, they're going to, the key is going to be playing with a lead because if they're playing from behind, they're kind of forced into using 11 and God bless Cordero Patterson as our number three receiver and as a guy on the field on money plays, I'm not going to trust him for there's almost nothing he can do for me to trust him in those type of moments. Yeah, for sure. Um, The thing I noticed about Patterson is, I mean, North Turner wanted wanted to feature him in his offense a couple of years ago, but he, doesn't really have the best hands. He catches with his chest a whole lot. He has a whole lot of double catches. Um, he had an in route that was decent. Um, he's had a, he's had a couple routes that were decent, decent. But like we talked about, the guy. The issue is in his hands. It's his brain. It the, the only <laughs> thing separating this guy from the Hall of Fame is rare stupidity. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly. Clearly, that is the case. He has all the t- – did you see him on the crossing route? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, that guy with the ball in his hands and in space, it, 
is there anyone you would rather have in the NFL? I would maybe no. say no. He's that good. He's he's when when he has space, when he can just play and run, he's a better athlete than everyone else on the field. And that was evident on a couple plays yesterday. And that's why we're excited about him returning punts for the first time yesterday. Yes. That was something we expected and we hadn't seen. And them trying him out is a very promising sign. Uh, Not to get sidetracked, but Patterson, man, on reverses, on screens, on crossing routes, just on very basic stuff, he'll – it's a lethal weapon that you have, but you kind of have to really manage how you're going to use it because there's only so much you can do with them on the field. Yeah, totally agree. Um, he's that really athletic kid in high school that doesn't, that can't remember anything from the playbook, but you just, you know, you have to get him. Right. That's Cordell. And, but like you just said on the punt return, he, he said he's never returned punts before and, him returning punts in the preseason is a good thing because the other people returning punts in preseason is a guy like Riley McCarron who has no no athletic ability, no comparison <laughs> compared to Cordero Patterson. And if Cordero Patterson can start returning punts, and um, I'm really excited about this. He, he's the greatest kickoff returner in the NFL. I, I'm not even. I'm not exaggerating. That's not he's a hot greatest, take. No, that's that's a fact. He's the greatest kickoff returner in the NFL. And if he can couple this into his punt return ability, holy shit. Because in the past couple of years, we all we wanted our, our punt returner to do in the past couple of years was to spare catch it and pray to God they don't muff a punt like Chris Harper. But now we have Cordo Patterson who could probably take one to the house. And yeah. Get, make, get Brady some good field position. Like, this is really good. I'm really excited for this. I'm glad they're doing it, and I'm glad he's uh, figuring it out. Yeah. You know, Lombardi, when they traded for him, had called Patterson. The acquisition, he said, was made mainly with field position in mind. And now he's going to be forced to play a more significant role on offense. But at the end of the day, his true value does come in flipping field position. That is, as a gunner, that is, as a kickoff returner, and apparently now it's going to be as a punt returner. And him returning punts, like, Julian Edelman has never been, save for 2015 when they literally had no other receivers besides Edelman and Amendola because LaFell was playing on one foot. Edelman has never been more important to this team. And he might be even more important now than he was then because at least then they had Amendola as a kind of a, another shallow threat. Now they have no one else. And you want to save as many hits as you possibly can on Nettleman's body. Uh, and punt return is a huge part of that, especially with how Nettleman plays. So if you can send Patterson back there to just, you know, even I'll, I'll settle if he's just a mediocre punt returner. And if he's kind of robotic doing it, just get, get back there and have a couple big plays and maybe run backwards a couple times and, I'll take the good with the bad as long as the bad isn't turnovers. Just keep Edelman off punt return. And obviously McCarron might stick on the roster now because of the Edelman suspension. But once Edelman gets back, like it, it's there, there's gotta be a guy that returns punts. And 
if Patterson can show he can do it, which I would assume he's done in practice, it's it's good. It bodes well for the longer term future of the team. Yeah, for sure. All right, so now we're going to talk about our 53-man projection. I know last week we got into it a little bit, but let's start off with quarterback. We're not going to yell at each other too much because it's Brady and Hoyer because Danny Etling sucks. Danny Etling, uh, he does suck. He's not a good football player. All right, so I guess we can go to running back now. So I think we have probably have the Just, same thought. By the way, by the way, Brian Hoyer, also not a very good football player. No, no. Look, his look is very bad. Become, he's, he's somehow become washed before Tom Brady. Uh, I don't know how this happened. He's younger than Brady, but. Alex Guerrero. Yeah. Uh, maybe he can help him in some way because he has not looked good either. Yeah, doesn't look too pliable to me or accurate <laughs> or. He's NFL been hitting the squat. He's, he's been hitting the squat rack. He's been bench pressing a little bit too much. Yeah, gotta get him some fucking lettuce, and maybe he'll be rehabbed a little bit. <laughs> All right, so for running back, I've got uh, Burkhead, White, Sony, Hill, Bolden. I know Hill. Hill rolled his ankle. Uh, it looked like he was fine at the end, but yeah. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any way that Gillisley would knock out Hill at the at this point in time. Gillisley looks like he's running mud, uh, in my opinion. Atrocious. And yeah, I, you know what? I was wrong about Gillisley. He was excellent in Buffalo. His yards after contact, excellent. And here with the Patriots, he's just been awful. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sad because I was also wrong about Gillisley. I thought he was going to be a, a pretty big contributor and. Just a little note on Hill. He did roll his ankle, and it, he looked to be in significant pain. And then, like, five plays later, he was back uh, on punt return. So take that for what it's worth. And he wasn't limping in the locker room either, according to the beat reporters. So I, I would guess Hill is fine. They dodged a real bullet there. Uh, Gillisley, we were wrong on. Hill has looked very good in the preseason. He's exceeded all of my expectations. The weight loss looks like it did him very well. And I think that for at least the beginning part of the season, he is going to be the second down, the second guy in the early down committee with Burkhead. And that, yes, is over Sony. Because Sony, I mean, he, he's not getting on the field now. And Jeff Howe wrote that the team thinks he might be special when he has the ball in his hands. And... Let's let's hope he's right. They took a running back in the first round. He bet damn well better be special. But as of now, I just think they're going to bring him along slowly because he hasn't been on the field. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. He didn't play last game, obviously, with the with the knee injury. But um, on to the fullbacks now. There's only one. That's James Devlin. And he's the greatest fullback of all time. You know, Henry Poggi is going to be very upset when he listens to this podcast. Going to be very upset. <laughs> Had a very nice fumble yesterday. Uh, <laughs> he, 
no, nothing to write home about. Maybe they keep him on the practice squad just as depth in case Devlin, who is one of the five most important skill players on the Pats offense this year, in case he goes down, maybe they keep Pogey on the practice squad. But, yeah, Devlin, Devlin will make the team. He's a lock. Yes. Um, everyone is nodding their head in agreement as Devlin is the only lock at fullback. <laughs> All right. So, moving on to tight end. Uh, I have Gronk, Hollister, and Will Tide because, as Pat's cap has stated, uh, Dwayne Allen's salary of $5 million, that's um, between Will Tide and Dwayne Allen. I don't know what the drop-off is, uh, but I'm willing to take the drop-off, whatever it may be, in that Will Tide is a similar player to Dwayne Allen, but his uh, cap hit is significantly lower. Right. Uh, Lane Allen's cap hit is five million, and I don't know if you guys know this, but Tyrone Matthews' cap hit is uh, seven million. So Danny Amendola, Danny Amendola, Dwayne Allen. Two years of Dwayne Allen, the next two years are Danny Amendola. So um, just put that in perspective. Um, fuck Dwayne Allen. Yeah, I agree in the sense that fuck Dwayne Allen, and I agree that the drop-off between whatever Allen is to whatever Ty is is not worth the 4 and point two five or whatever million dollars that they would save by keeping Ty and cutting Allen. It's like Allen is not a $4.2 million better than Ty is. And at the same time, I kept Allen on my 53 only because – I just think they're going to keep him because Belichick has some type of Allen fetish and who knows? He, he's a good blocker. That's my half-hearted defense of Dwayne Allen. He's a good blocker. So you don't have to, yeah, you don't have to defend Dwayne Allen in this podcast. We all know it's atrocious that he's on, on the roster with the travesty. Thanks for letting me <laughs> off the hook there. I didn't want to defend him. He's he's a travesty, and I I am rooting against him, and I hope Will Ty makes a team over him. I just don't think it's going to happen. If you're listening to this podcast, I just want you to go on YouTube and uh, search the Dwayne Allen pass against Miami in the flat and just come back <laughs> to how that works. Yeah, just a spoiler alert. If you think it's Trent Brown out there, it's not Trent Brown. <laughs> Trent Brown is much more fluid in space than Dwayne Allen. Uh, Nate Solder has as many receiving touchdowns as Dwayne Allen as a Patriot. We love it. We absolutely <laughs> love it. <laughs> and uh, moving on to wide receiver, which is now without Kenny B, this is an odd group. So we've got, I've got five, uh, Hogan, Dorsett, Patterson, Slater, and I guess you've got to put McCarron on there. Just for depth reasons, he hasn't looked great in preseason, but I, I don't know what else you would do here. I have the same five as you, and I am willing to bet that Riley McCarron will be replaced by some external acquisition by the time they actually make the roster. And if not by then, then they will claim someone off waivers because Riley McCarron has shown nothing that leads us to believe that he is an NFL caliber player during the preseason. He looks yep. like he looks like just a guy when he's playing against third stringers. And if that doesn't say enough about Riley McCarron, I don't know what will. 
at this point, you do have to keep him because if you go into a game with three active receivers and one of them is Cordero Patterson with four active receivers, with one of them, Matthew Slater, who does not play on offense, and another, Cordero Patterson, who might know like 15% of the offense, it's not good. So you have to keep another guy. But it, McCarron is – I'll be nice and I'll just say he's uninspiring. Like I'll never get um, riled up when watching Riley McCarron play football. So uh, he'll hopefully he'll be replaced by Golden Tate. How about that? Yep, um, I'm all for that. Thank you very much. Holly McCarron, get out of here. Golden Tate, you're welcome. Yes. And for the offensive line, obviously Trent Brown, Tooney, Andrews, Mason, Cannon look to be the starters. Uh, Cannon's hurt right now, obviously. So you have Waddle in the backup and Tobin and Ted Cross as the backups. I don't think you'll get much argument from me here on this one. Uh, yeah, I I just put Ulrich John in there instead of Tobin. I I don't think we're going to have a passionate argument about Ulrich John versus Matt Tobin <clears throat> making the 53-man roster. That's not what we do here. But I guess if you want to embrace debate, uh, we can embrace debate whenever you guys want. No. Except for now. Not no. not embracing debate here. Uh, yeah, I have the same the same top seven with... John as the top backup tackle and likely a guy that they're going to cross train all over the offensive line. And just as an addendum to this, I think that they're going to want to keep Cole Croston on the practice squad. Uh, He's barely played in the preseason due to injury. So I think he would have a decent chance of sliding back down to them on waivers. And also James Ferentz from I think Iowa as well. Uh, just the, those guys, they're worth mentioning because eight offensive linemen is typically considered going light at the position or the position group, I should say. And building the extra layer of depth on the practice squad in these situations is what they would try to do. So Croston is that guy where he absolutely should uh, – should make it to the practice squad, we hope makes it to the practice squad and provides valuable but unheralded depth as a player, not on the 53-man roster, but technically part of the team. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Uh, the Patriots obviously cross them. Hopefully six. I'm sure there'll be a team out there somewhere that tries to claim cross them as a backup. I can, I, I can already see it now. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I agree, and I hope he slides down to the practice squad. Do I expect it? Not necessarily, because teams know that the Pats wanted to keep him on the roster for all the last year. Like, that's not a secret. Yeah, for sure. And uh, moving on from that, we have the edge players. And uh, Davis starting in the preseason game. Davis is making this roster. So we have Davis, Flowers, Wise, Rivers, and Claiborne as the edge players. Yeah, that's a pretty cut and dry group right now. Uh, maybe they make a trade for someone. John Simon. Uh, I'll never give up the John Simon dream. But as of now, that's it's a it's a very solid group. It's a group that'll probably rotate all five guys. 
it provided that they are all able to make the 46 man game day roster. Uh, and it's that rotation is a luxury that we took for granted in 2016 and that we absolutely will not take for granted now because right now they have five players who look to be solid in NFL caliber. And last year they had like one and a quarter. Um, it's that in James Harrison's course. <laughs> and James Harrison's corpse, who, which somehow manhandled Vitae in the Super Bowl still. Oh, man. <laughs> That's dep- I'm depressed again. You just said the Super Bowl. I'm depressed. Yeah. We're on to 2018 on this podcast. <laughs> All right. So, and in 20, the 2018, we have Danny Shelton at defensive tackle, Lawrence Guy, Malcolm Brown, and Adam Butler. On my roster, yeah, we have the same four here. Uh, Vincent Valentine, I guess it was nice knowing you. Uh, he has not been all that, uh, I would say, impressive in during the preseason and according to Jeff Howe, really during camp. He's been just a guy, and you don't keep a fifth defensive tackle if that fifth defensive tackle is just a guy. Now, if the Patriots were to trade Malcolm Brown, and it doesn't necessarily have to be for Golden Tate, if the Patriots were to trade Malcolm Brown, I would feel comfortable with Vincent Valentine being in there as a rotational type of player. If they don't, uh, you hope he makes it down to the practice squad. I think he's still eligible. And if not, uh, John Atkins will probably make it down to the practice squad. So that would be your fourth layer of depth at the big defensive tackle spot. Yep, uh, for sure. Um, no arguments here. And so we move on a linebacker. And obviously we have Dante Hightower, Kyle Van Noy, and the emergence of Jawan Bentley. Uh, we have Grigsby, Landon Roberts, King, and Flowers. Marquise, who I'm a little, I'm a little worried about Marquise Flowers at this point. Uh, they may sub in another player at his position on this 53-man roster. I, I would keep Marquise Flowers if I was a Patriots. I think, yes, he should have a role on a really good team in his role. Obviously, we point to the Bills game of last year where he was really, really good. But um, his his lack of play in preseason has, has been noteworthy, and I'm, I'm a little nervous as the Marquise Flowers hype train leader. I'm a little nervous. Yeah, you're the official Marquise Flowers bandwagon leader. And that's, that's mainly because we, we both eat ketchup on everything. Don't get me started there. If you're again, if you're new to this <laughs> podcast, Bryson has some uh, very questionable food takes. And when I say questionable, I mean um, criminal almost. But Mar- <laughs> Marquise Flowers is even worse in that department, and. The bad news for Marquise Flowers is that he played behind Nicholas Grigsby yesterday, and Nicholas Grigsby is kind of like a Tracy White type, just a ridiculously athletic linebacker who excels on special teams. And that is what Marquise Flowers is. And if they feel like in a pinch, Nicholas Grigsby, Grigsby can play that Flowers role and they decide to use the spot uh, for Flowers on a fourth tight end, 
So maybe they can keep all four of those, you know, Gronk, Allen, Hollister, Ty. Or maybe they decide to use it on an extra defensive back. Uh, or maybe even Geno Grissom, who plays or has played on more special teams units than Flowers in the preseason. It's it's not inconceivable that Flowers could be gone. And I also expected him to have a role in the in the nickel and in the dime and just as a, a spy on the quarterback and uh running back coverer in in certain situations, but if the team just doesn't see the value in it, I would not be shocked one bit. And so yeah, this group also worth pointing out here that Alandon Roberts is still playing ahead of Jawan Bentley. So those people that are saying Roberts won't make the roster, I have a hard time believing that because he's still the top backup at linebacker. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's been noteworthy that he's played over Bentley. And, um, you know, Roberts isn't – he isn't too bad in his role. But, yeah. The hate I for mean, Roberts I, I, was extreme last year. He, you know what? You know what's funny about Roberts is he went from Jamie Collins backup, where the the defense was playing horrible with Jamie Collins. They trade Jamie Collins. At one point, Elaine and Roberts had like a sub ninety PFF grade, and we thought he was the next Dante Hightower. <laughs> and, uh, and now here we are, and he's definitely not that. Yeah, he he's like a poor man's Brandon Spikes. <laughs> he literally is. Like that'll tell you something. Now, Roberts, like you said about Roberts, he's, I guess, not terrible in his role. But when he's asked to play a bigger role than what his slated role is, which is a base defense linebacker, it does not go well for him. Like, he is not a space player. He's not a nickel player. He's just not that guy. And they'll keep him because he's proven in his role. But I hope that at some point over the course of the season, Bentley can can overtake him and be that third linebacker. Because Bentley, I think he's been overhyped, but he, at this point, has more upside than Roberts, and that's just indisputable. Yep, uh, correct. And so moving on to cornerbacks, we have Stephon Gilmore, who is actually not going to be cut by the Patriots. Uh, if you just tweet search Gilmore Cut, you'll probably see a lot of Patriots fans want to know if there's any way they can get out of that contract last year, which complete idiots. Moving on. Eric scroll Ray, down um, scroll down to September 30th or 29th, 2017, yeah. and search Gilmore Cut. <laughs> ben Bowen will be leading, leading the charge with along with Brandon <laughs> Cooks. Just cut him outright and not trade him at all. Yeah. Not his best moment. And, <laughs> so then we have our boy Eric Rowe at the number two cornerback position. Um, Duke Dawson's a second round pick. John Jones, obviously, in the slot. And then we have J Mac, who, who's actually playing a little bit of safety. And I think uh, you and I probably would say that this is just to maybe add to his role and see if he has a bigger role in the team. I would probably say so. 
J-Mac getting there on the safety, like the twin bro. Yeah. I mean, he said that D-Mac, he said that D-Mac was roasted him about his safety uh, <laughs> play, which was probably the first time he's played safety. I don't even – I'm not sure when the last time J-Mac probably played safety was. But, he said he said uh, he'd never done it in a game. Yeah, he's um, never done it. But I, I don't want to envision J-Mac. If J-Mac is playing deep safety for us, uh, we're in big fucking trouble. I'm just going to let you guys know that right now. Well, I'm just going to remind you that Jordan Richards was playing deep safety in week two of the preseason. <laughs> Actually, he played better. Than, he didn't allow a touchdown like J-Mac. Well, Jordan Richards is still Jordan Richards, and Jason McCourty is still Jason <laughs> McCourty. And who would I rather have on the field? I don't care what position they're playing. I'd rather have Jason McCourty on the field than Jordan Richards. I do not care. Okay, don't. Uh, I, I agree. You get out of my face with that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we have the same five guys. And for me, like, I have a couple notes on these players. Roe was fantastic last night, had a great pass breakup. I think he's primed for a breakout year, and I think he's primed. Oh, we love it. We do love it. And he's primed to play his way out of a Patriots contract because they're not going to pay a number two corner that much. And he's going to prove that he is maybe not a number two corner, but more of a low end number one. I like Eric Rowe for a big, a big breakout this year. Uh, other than that, Duke Dawson, second round pick, I guess he'll make the team. I, I dislike Duke Dawson. That's a whole nother discussion. John Jones, notable yesterday, he was the top nickel corner after tearing his Achilles six months ago. So if that raises any any red flags, uh, I'm, I'm raising some red flags. Here. <laughs> if that I'm raises any red, red flags, flags, just know <laughs> that if he gets suspended for four games, it was probably worth it. And Isaiah Wynn, take notes. Uh, and I have. Jason McCourty making the team. Uh, I think him playing safety is probably a sign that they want him to stick and they're trying to find ways for him to stick. But more noteworthy than J-Mac playing safety, I thought was the fact that he was on punt return and he was on kickoff. And the first units for both of those, um, for both of those special teams plays. And that's two of the, four core, the, two of the core four special teams units That should make his roster spot safe. And if that isn't enough for you, if J-Mac doesn't make the team and someone like J.C. Jackson does ahead of him, well, you'd be leaving J.C. Jackson as the top backup for the boundary corners. And for as good as J.C. Jackson has looked at times, I don't want him as the top backup to those uh, boundary corners. And I think it's a lot is being made about J-Mac not being the biggest special teams factor. A, as I just mentioned, he played on two of the top four units last night. And B, last year, the Patriots' top three corners were Steph Gilmore, Malcolm Butler, and Eric Rowe. And neither of those, none of those three are exactly special teams factors. And they still found a way to carry all of them. So... I think a lot's being made out of the J Mac thing and he'll he should make the team because he is good enough to be on this team and there is enough of a need at corner and potentially if they keep working him at safety at safety. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And also just from this moment on, I'm going to be pegging and tracking the uh, recovery of Isaiah Wynn's Achilles tear injury and be comparing it to John Jones. <laughs> because I have I'm, – I'm serious. I've never heard we, – we don't know for sure whether or not John Jones tore his Achilles. We're pretty sure. Yeah. But um, I've been... never heard of it. I've never heard of a man tearing his Achilles and uh, back in six months. Uh, and let alone straining your Achilles. I, I don't know if anyone's ever strained their Achilles before, but um, when you injure your Achilles, that's big time. And John Jones is back in six just, months. Just going to point this out. Cyrus Jones blew out his ACL a week after Julian Edelman. And he got back to training camp like a week or two weeks ago. And Edelman was participating in mini camps in April. And John Jones blew out his Achilles in January. And he got back on the practice field the same day as Cyrus Jones. So if yeah, the red yeah. flags aren't raised, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. We're not ra- <laughs> no, we're not going to raise the red flags. We're we're. No, we're not doing that. But the other John Jones is uh, the UFC fighter who also notably uses PEDs. So, um, Whoa, who said anything about PEDs, bad. man? What? Uh, what? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? The six-month six Achilles there, man. I'm, that's mind-blowing stuff. Medical... Medical marvel, man. <laughs> we love it. Pro football doc weeps as we continue <laughs> to defy the odds. Absolutely. All right, so uh, safety here. We've got D-Mac, Chung, Harmon, and uh, Ebner, and uh, Jordan Richards. Eddie Pleasant could not do it, guys. He couldn't fucking do it. I'm sorry. He couldn't do it. Yeah, and... I want to say this, Eric Reed, drop your lawsuit against the NFL and call Bill Belichick, please, please, <laughs> save us. Can you protect punt? Can, can you, you protect pre- punt? Can you be Nate Ebner's backup as a punt protector? That's the main question. All right, just blink twice if you can. <laughs> no, but really, it's a travesty that Jordan Richards is going to be on this team. He is not an NFL player. Even on special teams, he's terrible because he misses every single tackle that he tries to make down the field. He's a train wreck. He's just got awful. And the fact that he's going to be on this week one team, man, after everything, after having the whole offseason to upgrade at his spot, after being able and passing on the opportunity to draft Justin Reed – out of Stanford as well in favor of Duke Dawson at a position slot corner at which we already had a few players is just absolutely mind-blowing to me. And hell, man, like, yeah, Jordan Richards is going to be on this team. Let's just make peace with it. Uh, And He's a meme. He's a fucking meme. He's, yeah, you know, Every team needs to have that uh, needs to have that glue guy, and Jordan Richards is that glue guy for the Pats because everyone I assume just makes fun of him. Every time, like every time, yeah, can you imagine every time he misses a tackle on special teams, 
and D-Mac and Chung just like stare at each other and they laugh and Steve Belichick just tells them to shut the fuck up. It, you know, it would be different if Jordan Richards was like a short tackler. But then you have these memes of Jordan Richards <laughs> in the opposite direction as the guy he's trying to tackle. A and, yard uh, behind Corey Clement launching at him in the Super Bowl. Like us, like I always say, if uh, if you beamed an alien down from another planet and you showed him George Richards, you'd probably think he was the best NFL player there ever was. If you looked at him, but Keon Crossing, Keon Crossing is making a push for that. He he he's getting up there too, but, man. George Richards with all that athletic talent, there's uh, nothing going on up there. He he went to the guy went to Stanford, okay, and he's. Looks like he could be the best NFL player on defense at safety, and I don't know what the what the bridge here is that we're not that we're not bridging here. What is Jordan Richards missing? I don't know. The ability to but, play um, football. He's ripped, it, and he went to Stanford. There, that's that's Jordan <laughs> Richards. <laughs> Everything really else is, is missing. It really is. It really is. Oh, man. Yeah. But Relief. just yeah. Like a note on the DBs, though, we have them keeping 10. And for me, the last, the decision really came down to keeping JC Jackson as an extra DB or Brandon Bolden. And I kept Bolden just because of being, you know, Michelle and Burkhead being hurt right now. But they have to sneak Ryan Lewis, Keon Cross, and JC Jackson at least one and hopefully two of those guys to the practice squad because that's that's an extra layer of depth again that uh not to get too deep into it but to put it simply it matters period in 2016 the patriots missed i think it was valentine for a couple games and they had three defensive tackles on their roster and they just called up Woodrow Hamilton from the practice squad and he filled in for a couple games, and he was good. And when you have that type of depth and you build it on your practice squad, like that comes in handy at some point in the season. Just It matters, period. Yep, you're totally right. And for our special teams player, we have Goskowski, Allen, and Cardona. I don't think anyone's going to be too up in arms over these three players. Well, actually, I, I have a bone to pick with you. I mean, Corey Bajorquez. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh <my>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just busting balls. Uh, it's it is interesting, and Mike Reese mentioned it in his piece today that the Patriots haven't played Bajorquez in the preseason, and they, I, Mike Reese is speculating that they want to sneak him onto the practice squad, and that they just didn't want to show him in these preseason games. Is there something to that? I don't know. I think there might be because I'm pretty sure Ryan Allen expires after this season. And a year of development from the practice squad for Bajorquez, who has a huge leg, but apparently isn't great with directional punting. It might, you know, it might be something to keep an eye out uh, for come for the 2019 team. Yeah, that's a great point by you, Ryan Allen expiring. 
and we have our new boy coming up. Maybe sneak him onto the practice squad. I don't know, man. It's interesting. Um, I really like Ryan Allen as a player. Like you just said, he's a great directional kicker. He was the MVP of the AFC Championship game. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> but uh, is there anything we missed? I mean, we just went through everything. I, think we, I don't think we missed anything. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Uh, it, yeah, I think we pretty much hit it all. Mike Reese, we love you. Stephon Gilmore, we love you. Um, Adrian Claiborne, we love you. And uh, Adrian Claiborne, wow. Uh, I'm sorry for saying that. Um, I said, I guess Billy makes a roster on one of our 53 man projections. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, I think one thing Derek Rivers is going to make the team. We agree on that. But I'm just going to point out that last night he was playing up until the six-minute mark in the fourth quarter. And a little weird. It's a little weird. All right? It's a little weird. I asked a rhetorical question on Twitter. Are we sure Derek Rivers is a lock? And I got like 10 replies, and people, people were personally offended by me asking if Derek Rivers was a 100% lock to make the team. And, uh, yeah, you people are weird because you get really riled up about Derek Rivers <laughs> being a lock on this 53-man <laughs> roster. And, man, it's it's not that serious. <laughs> uh, Pro Football Talk actually uh, put out a Demarius Thomas of the Patriots rumor, and I tweeted it, and I said, um, you know, I, spec- I, I predicted that Patriots fans would say that Demarius Thomas sucks, <laughs> and that every Patriots receiver was better than him, and they did. I said, oh no, no, no! Before no. we hear, how it, long before we hear Chris Hogan is better than Demarius Thomas? And there they were, five minutes later. Yeah, no, they were. And the worst part about it, it's not just the Patriots fans. Scott Zolak on the broadcast yesterday said that he didn't want Demarius Thomas. Just oh that, my! He said he wanted no crazy. part of Demarius Thomas. I'm, I'm dead serious. You know, I consider myself the biggest Patriots fan I know, but I I don't understand this. I don't get it. Why, why can you not see good players and, and think that? Just imagine uh, Phil Dorsett is Demarius Thomas. <laughs> uh, can we just do that? Yeah, yeah. For, Would that not seriously. be good? Oh, no, it wouldn't, because, it wouldn't be good because Demarius Thomas sucks. Demarius Thomas is soft, dude. Soft. He's so soft. He's fucking 230 and he would beat the fuck out of any Patriots fan listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My God. It was like how how Zolak could really think that is incredible to me. Just how, how can you say it? Seriously. Like you like you just said, just imagine he's Phil Dorsett in this offense. Or Riley, even if he was Riley McCarron. Seriously, yeah, because right now they have, going into week one, they have two wide receivers. <laughs> and you don't, you don't want anything to do with Demarius Thomas because Aqib Tlaib shut him down once and Gilmore shut him down once last year too? Seriously? Come on. Like, okay, Brandon Cooks last year. 
Brandon Cooks was I don't I don't want to call him soft, but he wasn't uh, he wasn't Julian Edelman in terms of mental and physical toughness. Is he did he wake up from Super Bowl fifty two? Oh no. It's getting He's dark. Awake? <laughs> you woke up from Super Bowl fifty two. <laughs> okay, my bad. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins Malcolm Jenkins put him to fucking sleep in Super Bowl fifty two. Malcolm Jenkins put him to sleep and just by the way, he was overwhelmed in that game. The first play of the game from scrimmage for the offense, I'm pretty sure it was a drop by Cooks. He tried to jump over another human being on third and one. <laughs> and then he ran in circles until he got concussed on a bomb. <laughs> like, are you seriously? You're going to tell me in big games, Demarius Thomas doesn't show up after Brandon Cooks last year served a very, a, I'm not, I mean, he was very important last year, but Brandon Cooks played the worst Super Bowl I have ever seen from a professional football player. Like, seriously, that three-play stretch, he makes one good play and he's concussed because he's running in circles. And you don't want the Marius Thomas. Okay, Scott. That's good job by you. <laughs> he's just way too, he's just way too soft, man. He, he, there's no way Des Bryant or Demarius Thomas would be good with Tom Brady. There's there's just, there's just no way. Okay, I don't, can, it, I don't see an outcome. No, there's just no way. Can we have the Des Bryant talk? Because we've been having it on Twitter. Yes, I, I just want to point out to Patriots fans that it's okay to say that Des Bryant has been a good player and has been a better player than Phil Dorsett has ever has ever been in his entire life. And if you add up Phil Dorsett's career receptions, they don't equal uh, Des Bryant's career lows. So, uh, Des Bryant, good player. Um, the Browns offered him, like, under 5 mil, I guess. So, I would take Des Bryant. I know the Patriots probably aren't, aren't high on him, but Man, if anyone can handle Des Bryant, it's Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Absolutely. And Des Bryant is not what he used to be. That is 100% granted. And at the same time, last year he was like 870 yards, I think, for 68 catches and a few touchdowns. And he was facing number one corners. And he was playing with Dak Prescott, who we're not sure is really that good. And he was playing without Zeke for a while. So defenses could key a little more on him. And he was playing in one spot. He might hey, not be I a – Yeah, go for it. Um, is Would you rather have Des Bryant at $5 million, Or would you rather have your third tight end making $5 million? I I don't know. It's – you know, it's stuff to think about, I guess. I guess you could chew on that. I'd rather have Danny Amendola. That's that's the answer to my question. That's my official answer. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally. Yep. It's see. That Dwayne Allen making five million. Dwayne Allen making five million. Des Bryant probably. Doesn't get offered probably anywhere else over five million. I would probably say Des Bryant. I would rather have, I'd rather have Des Bryant. 
I don't know if that's definitely not stupid, but Patriots fans think that's stupid for some reason. I, all right. I don't think that's stupid, but bringing Des Bryant in right now is like, I would take him if he's really cheap because it's going to be a stretch for him to really learn the offense in a significant way at this point in the, and you know, we're really going to need him more than anything for the first month. We're going to need whichever receiver we end up bringing in. And I think it's a stretch that Des could make of a great impact in that time span. But so for that reason, I like, I wouldn't be offering Des 5 million. I would be offering him the veterans minimum with significant incentives. But to, for people who say they just don't want him at all because of locker room stuff, like this team traded for Albert Hainsworth and Chad Ochocinco in 2011. And they made the Super Bowl and they were a welker drop away from winning it. Yeah. Uh, Julian Edelman better. That's all I have to say. Julian Edelman, handsome. Wes Welker. Not big helmet. Big helmet. Brain food. No beer. It's Wally Pip. Really stupid. Can't return puns. <laughs> Knocked out a keep to leave in an AFC championship game with a cheap shot. Played with a cheating quarterback. HGH. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. Julian Edelman, loyal. Wes Walker, not loyal. Julian Edelman, loyal, has never played with a cheater. Has never played with a cheater. Julian Edelman, beard, Wes Walker, can't grow a beard. I mean, if that that doesn't settle the argument, I don't know what will. All right, man. Uh, Anything else we need to talk about here? You need to get anything off your chest? Uh, No, not really. If we can't sign Des Bryant... Bring Brandon LaFell back. Yes. All for it. Yeah. That's welcome back to it though. Yeah, that is all. All right, man. Uh thanks for coming on the pod. Uh, appreciate everyone that's listening. And uh we'll be back here probably after the Giants game, the last fourth week preseason game. Yeah, I'd, I'd say after the Giants game and maybe after roster cutdowns because we just kind of did our 53 uh, spiel. So probably after roster cutdowns, if the Pats make a big trade, which, by the way, there's a trade coming this week. If you just look at the last four years, they always make a trade this week. So there's a trade coming this week. And if it's a big trade, you know we'll be here with an emergency pod because we love you guys. Yes, we will be here. It doesn't matter that I have exercise, medicine, and pharmacology homework to do. I will be here talking about Chris Hogan, Joan Edelman, and Des Bryant. And maybe Golden Tate. Yep. Yeah, please, Matt Patricia. Please. This is, he's right for the picking. Let's take, take the good players off his roster while he thinks he's a good catch. And Matt Patricia, you know, man, if you want to land in Roberts, like – you're gonna have Jeff to pony. Airport. You're gonna have to pony up, man. <laughs> you know, if if Jordan Richards can go in there and replace Miles Killebrew, might cost you a second round pick <laughs> or Golden Tate. 
<laughs> so if you're if you're down with that, maybe we could make something make something work. Oh man, I am all about that. Well, thanks for coming on the pod, buddy. Um, we'll be here next week, and uh, thanks for listening. And I'll catch you later. Yep. Love you, man. All right. All right. Love you, man. See you later. See you.